Hi there, I'm David Harvey, and I'm here with John Andrews, and this is the Two Techs Podcast. In this podcast, we're two friends in two different countries, here with you every two weeks talking about two different texts from the Bible. In this season, as we enter our second year of podcasting together, we step beyond the stories of Jesus in the Gospels and into the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts is a series of stories and events from the early church when they encounter the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit. So, John, we're back in Acts chapter 1. This is our second episode of our Acts series. I'm excited already because of how much fun we had just in in part 1. So, we're now going to talk a little bit about this section of Acts where Luke very subtly sets up the agenda for the whole book in chapter Mm. 1, around about verse 8, doesn't he? He does. We have this beautiful link to Luke 24. You've got this promise of being clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're straight into that idea. So we get these beautiful links. Luke 24, this conversation about from Jesus about the kingdom, uh, unpacking the scriptures to the disciples, opening their minds so they understand. And you get that continued, which we looked at our last podcast. And then we're into this idea, this another connecting theme, this Holy Spirit introduced, this Holy Spirit that we've seen empower Jesus at his baptism. Mm. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And now we see him Uh, introduced again very explicitly at the end of Luke 24 to this new community of believers. And then seamlessly, Luke is into that in chapter one. He he wants the not just the language of the kingdom and an understanding of this community to be at the center, but now straight away we are introduced to the work of the Holy Spirit and what this Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit is going to do and refer to this beautiful idea of of uh, of empowering this community. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's Absolutely front and centre as far as Luke is concerned in the book of Acts, which, mm-hmm. of course, has a bit of symmetry also in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, mm-hmm. the first four chapters, I mean, are saturated with Holy Spirit activity. And yes. we're now, again, see, we're seeing the same pattern for this new community that Luke is introducing to us. So those those beautiful connectors and that lovely symmetry cannot be ignored. Let's read Acts 1 verse 6 through to verse 11, mm. and that'll set up the scene for our discussion. Okay, so let's do this. So it says this, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back at the same way you have seen him go into heaven. <laughs> and there, there's, a, there's a dense few verses, John. <laughs> a dense few <laughs> verses indeed. Indeed, absolutely. <laughs> so a couple of things that I um, 
I think is 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 interesting in here is is this question of time I think is really curious the disciples want to know the agenda they want to know like w- when is God not just what is God doing but when is God doing it and I was reflecting even just pastorally I was reflecting on that John thinking of how often that's my question right mm. my question is not can God act? My question is not even, will God act? I'm pretty confident in my faith in that. All things are in God's hands. Do I believe that? Yes, I do. Will God put all things right? Yes, I do. My actual question in my own my own life, spiritually, in my own devotion, it, it struck me as I was reflecting on this, John, that that's the question I ask the most is when. is is when god are you going to do it i'd really like you to do it now is because that's always the the underlying question of when is now would be nice yeah (laughs) do you you, (laughs) i mean do you feel i mean maybe i'm I'm making a pastoral comment not so much an exegetical question comment but it just struck me as to how human this question is the 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 question of of when god when does does that does that resonate with you it does. It does. And of course, when you realize the times the disciples are in here asking that question, you can understand the sense of urgency. They have been under the boot of oppression for many, many years, and they've seen Jesus do the most amazing things. Not only that, but they now have had convincing proofs for 40 days that he is alive. Not only have we witnessed three years of incredible kingdom bringing miracles and proclamation and demonstration but he's he's alive again after being dead this must be it this must be the moment when messiah will do what messiah is supposed to do and Mm. of course they are about to be shall i say disappointed or at least redirected (laughs) in in their understanding of that they're they're still seeing that question in terms of their 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 understanding Uh, of the kingdom of God from a very strongly Jewish perspective, which is totally understandable. And yet Jesus is now about to radically shift the agenda even on them. And, 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 And the answer of Jesus is really quite it's 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 dynamic, but it's also quite stark, isn't it? He says, "Well, it's not for you to know that. Uh, why are you asking that question? That this is not for you to know. This is above your pay grade. So you have to leave yeah. this stuff alone." But here's what I am going to say to you. You will receive power. And of course, there's a beautiful yes. juxtaposition there. When's the kingdom being restored and, and hoping mm. that Jesus is going to do something for them? And, he, and and he's saying, well, I am going to do something for you and I'm going to do it pretty soon. But it mm. isn't what you expect. But mm. if your hearts will be open, it will be the means of helping to bring that kingdom to earth in the most mm, dynamic mm. of ways. So so there's a real a real challenge there, a real clash of worldviews is happening mm. in that question that Jesus is having to quite strongly respond to and redirect. Mm. And and that's what I love. I'm hanging out in this in this pastoral question, I suppose, at the moment, John, but that's why I find Jesus' response in Acts 1 7 so interesting. He said to them, It's not for you to know the timers or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. So there's an affirmation of the of, of God being in control. Right? Mm. Um, so there's almost a part of me, I, what am I trying to say to my listeners with my pastoral hat on? Notice how often we say to God, when, right? Mm. And when you're in that sort of moment of saying, hey, God, when, Acts 1 verse 7 might not be a bad 
text to go and look at where Jesus says, listen, you know, God is in control, right? God, yeah. his own authority is in control. So, so, so don't think that the reason things are not happening is because God can't make them happening, but God's doing something beyond us, which is quite mm-hmm. difficult to get our heads around sometimes. And I love even Jesus's phraseology. Uh, it's translated often times or dates or times or seasons. Some translations have the day or the hour, but the Greek is chronos and kairos. Mm. And and perhaps perhaps someone's heard a sermon at some point where a pastor will talk about the difference between chronos time and kairos time and one kind of speaking more to seasons of time and another speaking more to a definitive kind of point in time. But the fact that Jesus uses both of them. Both. You know? <laughs> so, so actually, whatever type of time it is you're looking for, they are in God's hands. And, which is, and, and like you say then, and, and this is the sort of piece that I think is really fascinating. And I, I've got, you can hear me, I've, I, all my thoughts just smashed into one another night. I ran out of words. But, <laughs> but notice, <laughs> notice, what's the time, Jesus? Lord, are you, is it now? Are you going to do it now? Jesus' response, chronos, kairos, days, seasons, day and the hour, that's not yours, God's in control. But from the comment of God having his own authority, his own exousia in the Greek, Mm. you will, Jesus. So Jesus now offers them a future statement of fact. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. He Mm. doesn't say might. He doesn't say possibly. So what do I need when I'm in a place where... I'm not really sure where things are going. And what I'd like from God is a when. What I don't get is a when, but I do get Jesus does give the disciples something solid. Yes. I, mean, I, don't, I, just, I don't want to turn this into a sermon, but I think that's beautiful from Jesus. Oh, I, I think I totally agree. I just love that. I, I totally concur with that. And instead of giving them a when, he gives them a will. And, and, mm. and there is a sense in which he's saying, I am going to do something. The, the, the challenge when we're hoping for a when answer is being open to the will, isn't it? It's mm. it's being open to something other that. than what we expected. And and he is urging them to be open. And, and we know from the text that it'll be another 10 days or so before that <laughs> will happens, which in, in the scheme of the universe is a relatively short time. That's, that's a pretty short wait for anything as far as biblical records concerned is uh, brief it's brief it's <laughs> although, brief, yeah. although i was in 10 day isolation recently due to a bout of covid and that was not a brief 10 days <laughs> no no i i can imagine that 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 felt like 10 years absolutely but 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 you do get that that sense of trusting trusting the will of what he wants to do when when our our passion our desire is to know the when and and that's a hard one for humans but here's Here's Jesus managing that with the disciples themselves. And of course, moving them towards now this event where the Spirit of God will be outpoured in the most dynamic and dramatic way, which uh, will transform um, the trajectory Mm. of this gathered community. Something I'm I'm noticing, I I was reading Steve Walton, who brilliant, some brilliant insights on Acts. And and he just pointed something out, which I, which I loved. He he just spent a bit of time talking about the future tense of these two, uh, of these two verses. You, you will receive and you will be, you know, in Mm. the full sentence being, you will be my witnesses. And he, he said something which I, on reflection, I think it's got real depth to it for us, even in our, in our own lives. <clears throat> he said that if you notice, we need 
Acts chapter 1 verse 8 as the people of God. Because if we don't have Acts 1 verse 8, we have the Great Commission in Matthew, right? But but the Great Commission in Matthew says, go and do this, go and do that. Hmm. He said, and if we're not careful, our, if all we read is Matthew, we try and go and do this on our own strength. But yeah. but what we get in Luke Acts is is the and this is why we need the full gospel witness of all of the gospels in their own way. Mm. What we get in Luke Acts is not Jesus saying, "Okay, here's a task for you to do." He says, "No, your first thing that's going to happen is you are going to get something from yeah. the Father. You're going to receive something. It's given to you as a gift. So there's all of that grace uh, involved in that. But you'll receive a power." And you will be my witnesses, not you will do my witnesses, not you will go and try hard, but actually this will be a result of the receiving of power. So the one feeds to the other. So now we can circle back. This is theological now. This is because we're, we're, we're talking, we're having Matthew and Luke talk to each other. But now that we've read Luke 1 verse 8, we can circle back to the Great Commission of Matthew 28. You go into all the world, this sort of, and, and, and these sort of languages that we, we bump into, we can now see that differently. The, the, the daunting task that, that we hear from Matthew is now completed because of the power of the Holy Spirit in the disciples. And that that changes the landscape and the horizon quite significantly. In in my opinion, anyway, I'm pretty convinced by what Walton is saying there. For me, it absolutely bears out even the pattern Luke has already given us for Jesus himself. So, so before Jesus does, he receives. So there's no record of Jesus doing the sorts of Jesus stuff that we see in the Gospels until the Holy Spirit comes on him, until the Holy Spirit descends on him and and then we we see him led by the spirit we see him empowered by the spirit and we see the spirit of the lord on him and this pattern is now followed with this uh new group of believers where before they are sent to do they are given two things they are given his word so he's downloading his word to them and then they are going to receive his spirit power. And that combination of word and spirit, word and spirit, is a dynamic combo. And I think sort of the, the, the book of Acts brings those ideas together for us. I love I love John's allusion to it, because in John's gospel, you get the two things together. In John's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father sent me, I, I'm I'm going to send you. I'm sending you. Yes. And then it says, and he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. So, so you get this you, in John. You, you almost get the illusion of the two things running together: this commissioning mm. and mm. this sense of you cannot do this commissioning without the Spirit. And yeah. and then you you bring Luke and Matthew together, and all of that dovetailing into the Book of Acts, and you're getting an irresistible idea that before you go, you must receive. And in receiving, it will empower you to go and be. Yes. So th- th- these are beautiful, beautiful ideas. And I think I think they're ideas worthy to be recaptured and unearthed again and mm-hmm. and embraced by the Church of Jesus Christ, whatever, whatever our denominational persuasion on this. And I appreciate there will be people who will have different views on what the work of the Holy Spirit looks like in the 21st century but if we simply follow the pattern given to us by these writers then there there is something being presented to us 
that is worthy of our consideration, that we need this Holy Spirit in order to be and in order to go. I think that it's, I mean, this is actually a really important conversation for us as Jesus followers. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? And often what happens, and I think this is because of denominational divisions, doctrinal questions, we almost ending end up arguing over, is the Holy Spirit this or is the Holy Spirit that, right? So, so is the Holy Spirit the regenerating force that draws us to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Or is the Holy Spirit this power for living out the kingdom of God? And, and it feels to me in terms of even the last kind of 100, 150 years of, of church discussions, that's where we've bounced back and forward. It's like, it's, and this is a problem sometimes. And I love theological discussion. Hopefully that's obvious <laughs> after a year of these podcasts. But I, I, I don't, I sometimes wonder if we're just a little slow to embrace the genius of the both and, right? So unsurprisingly, I'm going to reference Galatians for a moment. But Galatians 3, Paul asks the church in Galatia, he says, having begun with the Spirit, Mm-hmm. Are you now trying to finish things off in your flesh? I mean, what a what a beautiful question. So, mm-hmm. so does the Holy Spirit regenerate us and draw us to Christ? Absolutely. The mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is so clearly that saving power that's in us. But then also, I think you see it in the Gospels, and goodness me, Acts doesn't make sense if you don't read it this way. The, ho- the Holy Spirit is also the power within us that draws us throughout our journey with Jesus into being the people of his way, the people of the way, the people of the kingdom of God, Christians, whatever language people are most comfortable to use there. And I think Jesus is showing us the both end. Receive the Holy Spirit, begin this regenerative journey, but also know the Holy Spirit is doing more than just that one thing. I mean, that's how, that's where I find myself sitting on on this, John. Yeah, that is absolutely one hundred percent my position. I, I I suppose over the years I've been grieved at at the apparent wedge that's driven between Luke and Paul, and I don't see mm. that wedge mm. anywhere. I, I mean, I, no. I I think I think biblically there is no wedge between them. Paul mm. brings us phenomenal insight into the workings of the Holy Spirit, into an understanding of a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit, and how essential the Holy Spirit is to every facet and aspect of our lives as followers of Jesus. And Luke shows us the power of that Spirit at work. As Mm. as sometimes it seems, I know we'll lean into this probably, but as a distinct and dynamic experience. And so I for me it is the genius of the and here. It it if Jesus can I say this reverently, carefully, if Jesus seems to need the Holy Spirit, mm. then his gathered community needs that Holy Spirit. And we as his twenty first century mm. version of that need his Holy Spirit. So for me, it, I, 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 I've no agenda at all denominationally. Um, mm. my, my desire is, as a follower of Jesus, I want to be able to engage with everything that Jesus is offering, and I mm. want to receive everything that is on offer. And yes. if we're going to not only go into our world and proclaim the kingdom, but demonstrate the kingdom, in the sorts of ways that Jesus did and the believers in the book of Acts did, then we need that same 
Holy Spirit power. So there is there is for me a very, very simple rationale and, and there is a, a very, very easy approach to that. I, I see the genius of the and in it all. And for yeah. me, that's an easy tension to resolve. Well, I mean, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm just back in John's gospel for a second, uh, John. But I mean, this is, this is biblical theology f- for you. John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands, Jesus says to the disciples. Well, good, well that's pretty strong, <laughs> you know. Uh, but then notice it, that's not the full thought. If you love me, keep my commands. And yeah. I will ask the Father, and he will give you a comforter, a counselor, a paraclete is the Greek, somebody who advocates and comes along beside you. Uh, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. You know, and Jesus, then you get, I will not leave you as orphans. Verse 20, you will realize that I am in my father and you're in me and I am in you. There's this sense that the Holy Spirit uh, is the presence of Jesus when Jesus is not with us. And that's really what's yeah. going on in the opening chapter of Acts is we've got this transition of Jesus not being with us and being with us in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the idea he will help you and be with you forever John says, that's that's not just a regenerative process, but it is also includes a regenerative process. But but it's also brave enough, I think, to call to call the good the good and the bad the bad sometimes. And, and I wonder yeah. if if what's happened with the Holy Spirit is we've seen too many people abuse what the Holy Spirit is called to do. And the Holy Spirit mm. is called to be this, that it calls in us, it calls out of us this sense of witness to the kingdom. And I think we've sensationalized it so that when people hear about the presence of the Holy Spirit, so often they think about they think about things which have been abused and sensationalized and maybe even marketed <laughs> yeah. rather than what Luke's trying to do, I think, in Acts, which is show us this disruptive spirit. Yes, it's going to be chaotic. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. But the thread that's going to guide this through is that this is a power in the disciples to witness to the kingdom of God and to live out what Jesus is doing. Um, and even I noticed that we didn't read it, but Luke does something really interesting in verse 16, where Peter is referring to scripture and he, and Peter uses this fa- phrase the scripture mm. had to be fulfilled in which the holy spirit spoke long ago through yeah. david so there's even by the end of chapter 1 you've got this realization that that the holy spirit is in jesus <laughs> the holy mm. spirit is coming to the disciples and the holy spirit has been shaping the story of israel throughout this whole time so this is not new, <laughs> is almost what Luke's saying. This is absolutely concurrent with the story. And and I would say to our listeners, wh- whatever your background, wherever you are going with this, that, that if we have the courage to read, for example, Luke, as he presents himself and listen, let Luke speak to you as he is attempting to speak to you then there is an inevitable acceptance of this idea that actually Mm -hmm. Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, becomes and goes, that this early community, as we're about to see, and we'll probably do it on a later podcast in chapter two, they receive this promise Holy Spirit, and they become and they go. And there is a sense in which we're asking ourselves the question, 
do we need this same Holy Spirit in this way? And if we can get beyond the clutter, if we can get beyond sometimes the controversy, if we can get beyond even kind of said carefully and, and with all humility, the denominational lines that sometimes we draw around the Holy Spirit, and we just picked up the breadcrumbs that Luke has put on the floor, mm. it would inevitably lead us to certain conclusions that, that would perhaps make us more open and receptive mm. to the Holy Spirit, to what he wants to do in through us and for us. And, and I think Luke introduces this right at the beginning of this incredible story of the church. He does not want us in any way to miss this idea that what you're about to see is down to the brilliance of Peter, or it's just down to the genius of great programs, or it's down to the magnificent personality of Paul. No, no. This, what you're about to witness, is is the continuation of what Jesus began to do and teach. This is the continuation of of the Jesus story. And the Jesus story started with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Jesus community story starts with the power of the Holy Spirit. And actually, this is a continuation of that story. And therefore, I, I would invite all our listeners to embrace the, the continuation of that Jesus story by the power of the Holy Spirit as advocated by Dr. Luke. And, and that even the the miracles that happen in Acts are part of that, but not the reason for that. I was thinking how the miracles that happen in Acts, quite often the people that do the miracles end up getting beat up afterwards or mm. thrown in prison afterwards. And so, so Luke's even brave enough to show us that the aim isn't the miracles. The aim is people encountering the God who is, people encountering the Jesus that died for them. And, and the Holy Spirit's power is present in some of that. But, and, and that's the thing I want to think is that so often we assume that the miraculous work of the Spirit is the point. And what Luke yes. does that so many later theologians of the church have not done is Luke never shows us the miracle and says, that's the point of this. Indeed. The miracle is a mechanism. The miracle is a mechanism to get us to people meeting Jesus. And, yes. and, and that's why for me, use the phrase there, being open. Mm. And I think that is the fundamentally key phrase to understand the disruptive presence of the Holy Spirit. Because what you see is, Holy Spirit comes, I'm giving away the punchline of the next few chapters, <laughs> but, but Holy Spirit comes, people encounter the Holy Spirit, radical image of all of these languages praising God. And then for the next several chapters, you see the disciples trying to close the doors, right? Yes. They, they're trying to close the doors. And, and, but it's as if they've remembered the power when the Holy Spirit comes line from Jesus in Acts 1.8, but they've not remembered the you'll be my witnesses line in Acts 1, 8. And, and, and I wonder, and maybe that's what we jump into in, in our next episode, John, is to talk about the vision that Jesus has through the Holy Spirit. But our point is, remember, as you read Acts, am I open to what the Holy Spirit does? Or am I trying to close it down and draw lines? Uh, and to me, that little question is a great one to keep in mind as you read this book. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with either of us about something we said, you can reach out to us on podcast at twotexts.com or by liking and following the Two Texts podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
If you really did enjoy the episode, then we'd love it if you left a review or a comment where you're listening from. And if you really enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? Don't forget that you can listen to all of our podcasts from this season and others at www.2text.com. But that is it for now. So until next time, goodbye.